Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 325, you have asked many times for clarification on how long-term capital gains are stacked on top of ordinary income. So here are all of those discussions in a single episode for easy reference. And in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, you'll find resources to help you pay less capital gains tax. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes. Now, you may have noticed Congress is making major changes that may impact your retirement and how much you're paying in tax. Stay a step ahead with a free assessment of your overall finances from a certified financial planner professional. Click the Get an Assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to get started. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA, with your cap gains versus ordinary income tax compilation. We actually got a voice recording. What, um, what do we got? Hello, my name's Cole, and I was just calling to uh, ask a question for the podcast. So I haven't really listened for too long. I mostly just started like about a week ago, but I've listened to about 10 or so so far just on my way to work in my black Hyundai Elantra. Um, <laughs> so right now I have a lot of money that I've been investing into a Roth IRA and into my TSP, also in Roth as I'm in the Air Force. But I was wondering, I want to start investing even more than the maximum contributions for both Roth, TSP, and my Roth IRA, which I'm currently maxing out both. And I want to start contributing to um, my own brokerage account through Vanguard. So I was wondering how that works with capital gains tax with your regular tax. So for example, uh, if I make $50,000 a year now, and I make, let's say, $20,000 worth of capital gains tax, I know that it's a separate tax rate, but does it affect the $50,000 that I currently make on the bottom or on the top? And what I mean by that is like, if I make $50,000 a year, and let's say that that was theoretically taxed at 20% versus if I was bumped up to 70,000, then taxed at 25% because of that, does that come from the bottom or the top? That made no sense. But hopefully you get the idea of what I'm saying, because I didn't really, and I just kind of called off the cuff. So. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I love watching the podcast while listening to it. And have a wonderful day. Awesome. I I know exactly what Cole is talking about. I do, too. Let's explain it. Because, all right. Well, first of all, Cole, thank you for your service. Um, And uh, thank you for letting us know what kind of car you drive, because that just made us feel like we were driving. We don't know where he is. Yeah, where the hell are you, Cole? Where are you driving your, your well, Honda Elantra? Well, he's in the Air Force. He's in the air yeah, all the he, time. Yeah, he's I flying. Mean, yeah. He's maverick. Anyway, yeah. No, I I, yeah, I know what he's asking to you, but go ahead. So when he's asking, is it on the top or the bottom? Because a capital gain has a different tax rate. It could be zero, could be 15%, or could be 20 depending on what your adjusted gross income is, okay? Or what your taxable income is. Yep. Um. What he's saying is that, all right, I make $50,000 a year of ordinary income, and if I have $20,000 of capital gains, does the capital gains start at the bottom and then all of a sudden push my $50,000 up into the higher tax brackets? Or does the $50,000 stay, and let's say he's taxed at a little bit at 10 and a little bit at 12? Sure. Right? And then do the capital gains sit on top of the 50, and then from there, those are taxed at capital gains rates. So he can use the bottom brackets, the 10 and the 12, or the 22% bracket with ordinary income, 
And then would the additional capital gain sit on top of that so it doesn't push his other income into those higher brackets? Yeah, that's exactly the question. Now and I actually understand it. See? I did and, not know what he meant. And, and, and is the, it up or bottom? Is it in? And, is and it Cole, out? you're going to like the answer because the capital gains always sit on top of ordinary income. So it does not push the ordinary income up into a t- higher bracket. So let's just use your numbers of $50,000. let us say you're single. We don't know that for sure, but let's just say you're single. So if you make $50,000 a year and with a standard deduction of about, what, $12,000, that puts you about 38000 taxable income, which is about the top of the 12% bracket. So that means your salary is going to be, you're going to pay 10 and 12% regardless of how many capital gains that you have. Now, your capital gains sit on top, and because your capital gains would effectively push you into the next bracket, right, which is the 22% bracket, those are taxed at 15%. So your ordinary income is taxed at the lower brackets, the capital gains, because you're above that 12% bracket is taxed at the capital gains rate of 15%. And then plus the state, which you didn't give us. Yeah, well, he's in the air, so it it changes. (laughs) It is a launch. It it changes. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you, because if coal stays in the 10 or 12% tax bracket. Yeah. Then the capital gains is actually tax free. Yeah. So let's yeah, let's let's just Let's say, say he's married now. Okay, okay, perfect. So so now let's just say married and that's all the income they make and they get a they double up on the standard deduction. So I'm just going to say it's $30,000 taxable income just to be simple. And the the top of the 12% bracket is about 80,000, which means now, Cole, if you could have $50,000 of capital gains to get to that 80,000, and now since you're in even combined on a 12% bracket, the capital gains are tax-free, if as long as they're long-term. And a lot of people don't realize this. When you're in the lowest two tax brackets, 10 and 12%, capital gain rate is zero, at least for federal, not for state, but at least for federal. And some people ask me, Joe, like, well, my, my tax plan comes 79000 so what if I have a $100,000 capital gain? Is that all tax-free? No, only 1000 of it to get you to the 80000 and everything else then is at 15%. So on the other side, though, too, because your tax bracket is so much higher because you had that $100,000 capital gain, even though your taxable income of ordinary income is still in the 12% tax bracket, That's right. people get a little bit confused there as well. It's like, oh, well... Now, do I still get at least the $1,000 tax-free Yeah. just because my taxable income is so much higher because of all of the capital gain that I received? But you would still get the $1,000 tax-free. Yeah, you would. And, and so for tax geeks out there, let me give you the formula. So figure out your ordinary income and your ordinary deductions, like your standard ed- deduction. That's your ordinary tax. Look at the tax table. Figure the tax. Then you add your capital gains on top of that at capital gain rates to figure out what that is. How about this? So there's um, the net investment income tax comes in right at two hundred thousand single two hundred fifty if I'm married. Yeah, and that's adjusted gross income. Just a GI. And so let's say that I have two hundred fifty-one thousand dollars of adjusted gross income. Okay. Okay. Hundred thousand dollars of that was capital gains. Okay. So. Does one thousand dollars get the additional net investment income tax, or does the entire hundred thousand dollars get the um, um, the the three point eight percent? Yeah, just one thousand if you're married, right? Because it's two hundred fifty thousand, everything above two fifty. So it's the lower of the excess amount or the passive income. In this case, the capital gains, the passive income. Right now, if you were if if you're single. 
and the floor is two hundred thousand, and you were at uh, what would you say like two two fifty six? So then fifty six thousand is subject to the three point eight percent tax, but not the whole hundred. So with every just about every tax situation, you know, let's say if I had a taxable income of a hundred thousand dollars, and I would be. If I was married, let's say I would be in the twenty-two percent tax bracket. Yeah. So some people think, well, then all of my income is taxed at twenty-two percent. Yeah. So yeah. So I pay twenty-two thousand to the feds. Right. So it's but it's stair steps, right? It's, a little yeah. bit is taxed at ten, this and that. And once I'm in that bracket, that's all I'm paying tax on. The same thing is true for capital gains. The same thing is true for net investment income tax. So once you break those th- thresholds, then the, only the additional above those thresholds would be taxed at those different rates. Right. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And the IRS generally tries to do that so you're not penalized for going a dollar over and have all this giant extra tax. Right. So There are exceptions, though. Yes. What? One is the, um, the ACA Medicare. credit. Yeah. And Medicare. Yeah, and Premiums. Medicare and, and Social Security taxability. So there are, there are some exceptions there. So... Anything else? Medicare, Social Security. Well, like if if you if you have the subs- lot, lots the subsidies. Yeah, subsidies. If if you lose money on rental properties, you start as you add income. You also, you lose losses at the same time. So yeah, there's there there are some problems. The um, um, the twenty percent. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it. The twenty percent small business deduction. QBI. Yeah, thank you, QBI. The, yeah, there's some cliffs there. Uh, Mike from Akron, Ohio. Akron. Akron. Okay. What do you call it? Akron. What did I say? Akron. Oh, well, I like the A. It's, it sounds better. <laughs> it's the, the ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, I can see that because like acorn, I mean, it's it's almost like that. So Akron? Does that sound better? Akron? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, That's what it's called. I agree with Andy on this one, which I usually do. Oh, God. But yes, mm. it sounds better, Joe. So, you know, go with the aesthetics of it. Okay. Who cares right, what the I'll town's actually called? Akron. I don't know. You say tomato, I say tomato. Okay. Okay. Good enough. If I made 50K and 10K was ordinary income and 40,000 was qualified income tax at 15%, I would be in the 12% tax bracket. 40 plus 10. At what percentage is the 10K taxed? So the, the capital gain sits on top of your ordinary income, Mike. So this is, we had that other question a couple of weeks ago. Um, so he's got $10,000 of ordinary income, Al. He has a capital gain of $50,000. So he's curious. He's like, well, what, how's that? 10% of ordinary income, what is that going to be taxed at? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's taxed at the at the lower bracket. So the way to think about it, Joe, is exactly what you said. You start with the ordinary income. Forget the capital gain income at this point. Qualified income tax at 15%. That's either going to be a sale of a stock or it could be qualified dividends, for example. So you start with that, 10000 bucks. Uh, the first $10,000 for a single taxpayer in round numbers uh, is taxed at 10%. So that $10,000 will be taxed at 10%. Now, the, um, the, the other amount uh, of $50,000, so that's, you know, or I'm sorry, another $40,000 of qualified, $50,000 of total income. You take out the standard deduction of about $12,000 and change for a single person, 
So that basically means that you're going to be under the or in the 12% bracket, considering all of your income added together, which then means all of your capital gain is tax free, at least for federal purposes. So yeah, ten thousand dollars at ten percent, roughly. So about a thousand bucks. I would even say this is that that ten thousand dollars would probably be wiped out by the standard deduction. Yeah, you know what? Think of, I'm thinking about that again, and that's that's actually right because you want to take your you want to <laughs> I'm making all kinds of mistakes today. You you want to take your uh, ordinary income minus your ordinary deductions, and standard deduction would be considered ordinary. It would wipe that out, and so therefore you're left with uh, zero tax. Zero tax. Look at that. Yeah. So uh, I guess let, let, let's recap this in a, in, in a sense of, I don't know if Mike is married or single, um, but he's got a question just on tax brackets, just a, just a simple equation of what you'd look at is that if you have a large capital gain, right, just you have to just ignore that for a second because that will always sit on top of your ordinary income. So you want to look at what ordinary income sources that are coming in. So did you take an IRA distribution or do you have, you know, employment or wages? So you add that up and then you take off the standard deduction. Or if you itemize, you take your itemized deductions and you subtract that off of the ordinary income. So let's just say he only had $10,000 of ordinary income. The standard deduction would wipe out that income. So he would pay zero tax at ordinary income rates. And then if he stays in the 10 or 12% federal rates, then there is no capital gains. So the capital gains rate in the lowest two brackets is zero. So if he's married, it's up to about $80,000 of income. In single, it's about $40,000 of income. So in this case, Mike from Akron would pay zero tax. <laughs> That's right. So let me let me put it another way too, which is just for clarity. So Mike, let's let's pretend you had an extra fifty thousand dollars of of capital gain income or qualified income. So now you're going to be over the twelve percent. So so the amount of capital gain or qualified income to get to the top of the twelve percent that part's tax free. Any amount above that would be taxed at the fifteen percent rate. Because Joe, I get that question sometimes. It's like, well, wait a minute, I'm in the I'm in the twelve percent bracket, but I got a property with a million dollar gain. So are you telling me I can sell that property and pay no tax? And the answer is no. It's it's only up to the top of the twelve percent. All other gain will be taxed at the at the capital gain rates. Uh, we got David. He writes in uh, from NYC. Greetings from NYC. Where I listen to the podcast every week while walking around Central Park, enjoying the info and the humor. Since I'm wearing a face mask, people can't see me laughing. Probably a good thing. Huh. People enjoy watching yeah, other people I, laugh. I think it's okay to laugh. Of course, I suppose if someone says, what are you laughing about? Oh, this financial show. Yeah. It, it's too hard to explain. <laughs> Back in episode 266, um, you had a really helpful discussion about tax brackets. And my question today relates to that topic in tax planning, plus the ever-popular Roth conversion. Sorry. Here goes. I hope I'm providing all the details you need. Okay, let's see what David's got cooking here. Okay. I'm married. File a joint return. I'm retired, age 68, and drawing Social Security. And my wife is still employed. Let's just say, hypothetically, our AGI is 201000 Hypothetically. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, why do you, why do you say exactly 201,000? Uh, 201,474. <laughs> um, but you know, give or take. 
I mean, he didn't even round it down to 200,000. <laughs> 201. Yes. So it was, it was a rounding error. Taxable wages in Social Security. Some fully taxable Roth conversions, short-term and long-term gains and dividends. Itemized deductions from real estate tax and contributions to a donor advised fund are $30,000. So on the face of it, it appears that we're basically hit the top of the 22% tax bracket, which is 171,000. And if I wanted to do any additional Roth conversions, they'd be taxed at the 24% rate. But if 30,000 of the 201,000 is from dividends and long-term capital gains being taxed at only 15%, should I be thinking that I really could do a $30,000 conversion, an additional $30,000 to max out that 22% bracket? So let's stop there, Al, because yeah, this good, is a really good question. It is a good question. So there's ordinary income tax. Uh, so certain income sources are taxed at ordinary income and certain other income is taxed at uh, cap gains or dividend rate. Yeah, that's right. And so let's, let's start with his income. I'm going to round it to 200,000. Okay. <laughs> and he's got 30,000 of itemized deductions. So his taxable income is 170, which is the top of the 22% bracket. So he's thinking maybe I shouldn't do a Roth conversion because then I'll have to pay 24% tax. But then he thought, well, wait a minute about 30,000 of my income is capital gains and qualified dividends, which gets taxed at 15%, regardless of my income level, until it gets over about 470,000, something like that. Right. It's a great question. And the answer, David, is absolutely yes. You are absolutely correct. Uh, it's a little known trick, I guess, if you want to call it that, that when you are in pushed up into the next bracket and you have a certain amount of capital gains, you can actually go into the next bracket because the they over- sit on top. They sit on top, right? So the overage would be taxed at capital gain rate. So in this example, yeah, David could do a $30,000 Roth conversion and still stay in the 22% bracket, even though his taxable income is 200,000 because of the 200,000, 30 will be taxed at the capital gains rate. And then the 170 is taxed at ordinary income rate. But I should mention- that works for every single bracket except between the 12% and 22% bracket. And let me explain why. Because when you are in the 12% bracket, your capital gains are tax-free. And so if you go in above, it's roughly $80,000 for a married couple. If you go into the next higher bracket to the 22% bracket and think, well, this makes sense because I got capital gains. Now you've taken your capital gain that was taxed at 0%. Now it's taxed at 15. And oh, by the way, you've got to pay tax on the Roth conversion, which will probably be the 12% bracket. So now you're paying a 27% tax in that example. Hard to explain on the radio, but if you think about it, when you're going from the 12% bracket to the 22, all of a sudden those capital gains, which were tax-free, become taxable. It's not a good deal at all. But when you're in other brackets, it's a fantastic deal. Because, if, I mean, if you look at it, they're sitting on top, right? Right, right. And so let's say if David's taxable income and, and let's just assume the top of the bracket, we're going to round here, David, <laughs> is $80,000. Right. Okay. And if his taxable income was $70,000. Yeah, right. Okay. 
And it was like, okay, but 10,000 of that was capital gains. Yeah. Well, that 10,000 of capital gains would have been tax-free because he stayed in that 12% tax bracket. That's right. But if he did a $20,000 Roth conversion and got his taxable income up to 80,000, well, now that tax or, or that cap gain sits on top of the ordinary income. Now that's in the 22% tax bracket. It's taxed at 15% plus state plus whatever. Yeah. So, you know, Great example, Joe. So that $10,000, the $20,000 Roth conversion, right? It gets taxed at 12% because that's the bracket that you're in. But 10,000 of the capital gains now, instead of taxed at zero, are now taxed at 15%, right? So you got that on top of the other. So it, in, in his example, it worked out for him. Right. Because he's like, well, I don't want to get in that 24% tax bracket, but 30,000 of this is capital gains. Well, if I do another $30,000 Roth conversion, well, guess what? That filled up that 22% tax bracket. The remaining 30,000 sits on top of your ordinary income. Right. That's not going to be taxed at 24. Yeah. That's going to be taxed at 15%. So in David's example, it works out pretty good. But if you're in the, that lower tax bracket, you're filling up those lower brackets, which would be a capital gain yeah, tax-free. Right. So I'm going to say, David, Congrats. That, that's actually, you're a little smarter than I am because I learned this by accident. <laughs> I didn't think about it like you. I learned it by accident. Roughly 10,000 um, tax, tax projections. projections. Yeah. yeah, this was probably over a decade ago when I was doing more tax projections and all of a sudden we would do a bigger Roth conversion. And I was thinking, gosh, it's only tax to capital gain rate. Something's wrong here. And I had to look into it. I go, oh, of course, right? Because it sits on top. His question goes on, since I have to make quarterly estimated tax pay, uh, payments, knowing the answer to this question would help figure out uh, the rest of the year. Plus, I really want to convert more money to my Roth since right now we are overweighted on both traditional IRAs and my wife's uh, 401k. Uh, you talked about the likelihood about higher taxes uh, down the road, and I'm willing to bet on that as well. Thanks always. Keep up the great and entertaining work. Uh, details not related to the question. No car. Okay, so he just chills in the subway. Subway well, instead. New York City, of course. Yeah. yeah makes no sense. pets. Have I left anything out? Do you like golf? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's going to have a long list of questions they have to <laughs> answer. Kind of, we can always. What kind of adult beverage do you what, do What's your wife's for? name? <laughs> uh, all right. It's getting a little cool. personal. Uh, cool, David. So hopefully that helps out. There's couple of nuggets to, to yeah. get to on there too. Yeah, I, let me just add, Joe, that uh, estimated payments, if you are if you are doing a Roth conversion and your income is higher, you may have to make estimated payments. And that's where you look to last year's tax versus this year's tax. It's too complicated to explain right now, but just be aware, look into it. You may need to make estimated payments. Taxes are likely to be going up for some Americans with the sweeping economic relief and reform packages now underway. Visit the podcast show notes to download our guide to the American Rescue Plan. Then make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and our weekly YMYW newsletter to get the latest updates on everything affecting your taxes, your investment portfolio, and your retirement. Plus, you can binge all the previous episodes of the YMYW podcast and TV show and read the podcast transcripts. Thanks to my mom. Click Ask Joe and Big Al on air there in the podcast show notes to send in your money questions, comments, and stories. And then when your email is featured on YMYW, you can brag to all of your friends. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. We got Smitty from Roseburg, Oregon. 
Right. Smitty. It's gotta love that name. I love Smitty. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hello, Andy, Joe, and Big Al. I listen to your podcast uh, where you guys were talking about dividends, and it got me curious about two tax scenarios. All right, Al. Let's okay. see if you're up for the task. Okay. We got scenario one. I own a $100 stock. It pays a $10 dividend, which I collect. All right. Scenario two. I own a $100 stock. It pays a $10 dividend, which I do not collect. It is automatically reinvested. Then one day later, I sell $10 of it. Would the tax scenario of one and two be the same? If not, please explain. Great show, by the way. Uh, the answer is no. Um, so I guess let's kind of dive in. You've got a $100 stock. It pays it. Let's just say everything else remains equal. Okay. Because <laughs> for this, this dividend paint stock, people <laughs> just lose their mind. We, we, yeah. Right. If. The stock pays $10, folks. Now pay attention here. The, okay. 10, the $100 stock price goes to $90 per share. True. Okay? You get the $10 in hand. The stock price is now worth $90. $10 is a dividend. You're taxed on $10. By the way, $10 would be a pretty good dividend on $100. <laughs> That'd be a 10%. <laughs> I don't that, think I've seen that before. <laughs> you get. Um, but, all right. But let me, let me explain. So... Whether you um, collect the dividend or reinvest it makes no difference on the taxes. You still have to pay tax on the dividend. So that's number one. <laughs> so, so far we're the same. But here, here's where this gets skewed is now the next day you sell $10 of stock. So now you've sold some stock, which now you've got to look at your total um, basis. basis on that $10. And now you're going to have gain on sale on that $10. So now you've actually made your tax situation worse in that particular case. Yes. So I think he's trying to think of the example that we gave is that if he said, I had a dividend paying stock that is paying me a $10 dividend yeah. versus a non-dividend paying stock, then I'm creating my own dividend. Right. So, but if he's getting the dividend, right, and then he's then selling it the next day after X dividend date, Right. It's not very tax effective. No, he, he basically paid a couple taxes. Now, what we tried to say was if you have a, a stock that doesn't pay dividends or very low dividends, anytime you want to get access to the capital, you just sell a little bit and create your own what we call a synthetic dividend, which is taxed at long-term capital gain, gain rates as long as you've held it for at least a year. Right. And if, if, if anyone out there, if you hear the little coffee shops and things like that, is that, oh, I don't like that. It doesn't pay dividend. I like cash flow. Yeah. They don't really know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> True. I was listening to a podcast, um, Ricky Barnes. You know that name? Mm, golfer? Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of, he's kind of a big deal back in the day. Got it. He, then he kind of laid an egg. Yeah. Yeah. You're uh, right. Totally. Totally. He used egg. to wear that painter's cap. Yes. You yeah. are right. Yeah. Right. Yes. The guy has never won, but he wore a painter's cap and made him famous. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, it was a it was a good interview. But it, you know, he's he's talking. Hey, if you if if you were never a professional golfer, what's the next step? And he's like, Oh, I really like investments. Right. And then they're like, Oh, what stocks? Well, I don't like that one. Doesn't pay a dividend. I like cash flow. And I was like, uh, You're kind of an idiot. <laughs> so needs, I digress. He needs more seasoning in the he, profession. He could, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because we get in this kind of debate all the time. It's right. like, well, no, dividend-paying stocks are this because it pays a dividend and blah, blah, blah. You get your cake and eat it too. Yeah, right? oh, yeah exactly. What's wrong with that? I get, <laughs> I get cash flow plus it appreciates. Why wouldn't I want that? 
<laughs> because the stock goes down by the amount of the dividend. Not me. Every time, every time there's a dividend, stock goes up. It's, it's like, well, that's because the market went up that day. You've been lucky so far. <laughs> no, you're wrong. <laughs> Am I paraphrasing this right? <laughs> well, my dividends are different than anyone else's. Joe, you do not know what you're talking about. You are crazy. How many times uh, has that come up in class, oh, that dialogue? Millions. Millions. <laughs> Oh, and then you finally just got to, then you just got to agree with them. You're right. Because the dividends <laughs> let's, that you let's, have. Let's, let's agree to disagree. Let's move right. on. It's like the movie, My Cousin Vinny. You know, the, the grits on your criddle <laughs> cook faster than, you know, none of man. Uh, whatever. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, Schmitty, you, you got to be careful. Um, if you're selling the dividend after X dividend date, you're going to, you reinvested the dividend. It's already distributed but you just reinvested it. So you bought more shares right. with the dividend that you received. And now you're selling shares, which will cause a potentially gain on sale. Correct. Because it depends on whatever the basis is, but, but the, the dividend that you reinvest increases your basis by the amount of the dividend. It does. And I think the, the, the key point here is whether you receive the dividend or not, you still get taxed on it in the same manner. <laughs> That's why we feel that dividend. Uh, we, we love dividend paying stocks too, by the way, people, we love them. We love but all we, stocks. We love all stocks. <laughs> we just don't, we, we don't discriminate, yeah. right? We don't just want a basket of dividend paying stocks. We want them all. Uh, Smitty's back from Roseburg, Oregon. Hello, Andy, Joe, Big Al. A few weeks ago, you guys answered a long-term capital gains tax question for me. Thanks. I have a couple more long-term capital gains tax questions for you guys. Is a automatic dividend pay out taxed the same as manual, manually withdrawing out the same amount? On any random day, that is not near the dividend payout day. So Smitty's still hung up on this, Big Al. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, Let's try to go through it again. <laughs> so this is the same question, Smitty. It's just worded differently. Yeah, um, it's uh, carefully worded differently. It, it yes. is. Maybe yep. that's an indication that you guys didn't answer the question well enough uh, for Smitty to understand. Uh, uh, I, apparently, that's the truth. <laughs> okay. You answered my question. Thank you. But let me ask it again because I <laughs> wasn't very hey, You good. guys are the best. Thank you so much for answering my question. I'm still confused as hell. Uh, you so, want to take a stab at it? Okay, well, Smitty, let's say if, if you get a dividend on a stock that has an X dividend date that gives, you have a $10 stock that gives you a dollar. The company's issuing the dividend. You get the dollar, you reinvest it, you pay the tax on the dollar. What Al and I were talking about is that we create what is called a synthetic dividend. So let's say that the stock price is worth $10 a share. You sell it, you sell $1 a share, and then you could either spend it or reinvest it. If a stock is at $10 a share and offers a $1 dividend, the stock price will go to $9 a share. If you reinvest it, now you've got the other dollar, right? Now it's your, your whole, but you have to pay tax on the dividend. So no matter when you take a distribution, if it's the same exact amount of the dividend, you will be taxed on what is distributed from the stock. If the company distributed the dividend or if you sell the stock with a synthetic dividend, you're still going to be taxed. Yeah, the, the only difference though, if it's a company dividend, you're taxed on the whole dividend. If you sell 
some shares of stock, then it's a capital gain. And some of that's return of basis. So you're, you're not going to be taxed on the whole thing. So it's actually, it's more tax favored to create your own dividend in, in essence by sell, selling a little bit yourself. Okay. Also, buy that? Yeah, yeah, I buy that for sure. Love that return of basis. That was pretty good, Al. Yeah. That's, really, also, that's, that's an account. <laughs> let's say that I'm at the very top of the 22% tax bracket. Then withdrew $300,000 of long-term capital gains from my taxable account. Would this push me into the 35% tax bracket? Great show as always. Smitty. Oh, AKA, he's our RP rider. Six stars. <laughs> I love Smitty. Al, stop yawning. Answer the question. <laughs> okay. $300,000 capital gains. No, you still are in the 22% bracket. But the capital gains, they sit on top of it. So now you're going to be subject to probably the 3.8% Medicare surtax to the extent your adjusted gross income is over 250. And if your taxable income gets over married couple about 475-ish, then it's going to be taxed at 20%. So it doesn't change the ordinary income, but it could be a higher capital gains tax. Sits on top, Smitty. So if you create a dividend or if the company creates a dividend, you're still going to be taxed. Long-term capital gain sits on top of ordinary income. So that's the lesson once again. Uh, Al, we got a, an email in from Stever. Stever. That's, that's uh, you know, the, when you hang around surfers, I, I know a few surfers in, in San Diego, they like to kind of call each other names like Stever or. Well, he see. lives in Coronado. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. He's there's there's it's it's not the best surfing in San Diego, but there is surfing in Coronado. Stever, I don't know if I was named Steve and someone called me Stever, I might slap him in the face. Uh, it yeah, might be that. a typo, you guys. He might have accidentally put that R on the end. No, I don't know. I I think he goes I, I've been Stever. to Coronado. I guarantee it. I think I met Stever. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he was on his shortboard right in the yeah. Way. Well, all right. So here, here's here's what he writes. Now, let's just say I drive a Mercedes uh, so because he's, he's I know just, you care. He's I just, guarantee just saying you, it's not Stever. a Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed, you wrote Stever. Um, right. And he wants to do a 2020 Roth conversion using pre-tax IRA account containing a few Hunsky. Oh, look at the vocabulary in Stever. So that, that's why I think he's a surfer. He's already <laughs> talking surfer lingo. A few Hunsky. Hunsky. All righty. Um, Hunsky to me, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. All right. <laughs> While planning to leave a significant amount in the same IRA, for 2020, I will have wages of $300,000 plus long-term capital gains of around $500,000, which were a payout when the company I worked for sold. I believe I've heard you say that capital gains rest on top of income, but I'm not quite sure what that means. Does it mean capital gains don't count toward my income moving into a higher tax bracket? My wages are usually around 300000 in 2019. My marginal tax bracket was 24%, but I had very little capital gains. I'm married finally jointly and over 60 and starting to think about RMDs in the related tax rates. Although I'm a bit concerned I might not end up in the 32% tax bracket, if or when I convert portions of the IRA, I'm questioning if it might be worth the tax hit, even at the higher tax bracket, given the historical stock market average gains around 10%. I've never heard you recommend converting at the 32%, but I'm pretty convinced tax rates are going up 
And when I take an RMB, they will be significantly higher than the 24% tax bracket I'm in today. I'm interested in your opinions. Uh, if you think it might make sense to convert to the 32% rate, since the minimum time I expect to have a Roth is going to be um, over five years where I start chipping away at it. Uh, thanks for your thoughts in a very entertaining program. Steever, couple Hunsky in the old IRA. <laughs> Cruising yeah, around in a Mercedes. A few, a few Hunsky. You think it's, it's probably like a, I'm going to guess about a 1998 Mercedes, maybe a diesel. <laughs> Definitely diesel. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, I like his question here. So, so let, let, let's first start. Uh, explain again, Alan. So his his wages is three hundred thousand. He's got a big capital gain this year of five hundred thousand. So yeah. he's like, okay, the capital gain sits on top. Does yeah, that what, mean what, 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 what does, does that, that mean? mean? Right. So let's let's start there. So Stever, you're three hundred thousand of of income, and if you just do the standard deduction for a married couple, it's about twenty five thousand. So your taxable income is about two seventy five. We just mentioned the top of the 24% bracket is about 325. So actually, I'm, so I'm ignoring the capital gains to start, Joe. I'm just going to do the ordinary income. So Stever could do a $50,000 Roth conversion roughly and still stay in the 24% bracket. So you, you figure out the ordinary income rate first before you look at capital gains. That's why I say they sit on top of. So you go through that calculation. You got about $50,000 of room, Steve, in the in the um, 24% bracket. I'm going to correct myself. <laughs> anyway, um, now, capital gains. Capital gains, uh, in roughly, once you get over about 500000 of income, they go from 15% tax rate to 20%. So this Roth conversion, if you did it, the $50,000 would be taxed at 24%, but it would also push your 50,000 more of capital gains into the higher 20% rate. So that's a 5% delta. So you'd have another 5% tax on the capital gains. So really it's not 24, it's 29% tax rate when you think of it that way. And, um, and then of course you got state tax on top of that, which in California, given these amounts probably is uh, 10.3 or even, uh, nine, yeah, ten, yeah, probably 10.3%. So you another 10%. So you're, you're close to 40%. It's kind of, that's, that's getting a little expensive, I think, to do a, a Roth conversion. Uh, I might wait until you don't have the big capital gain. So you don't have that extra tax, that extra capital gains tax. But, but that's, that's how you calculate this. You, you calculate ordinary income tax first, and then you see what the capital gains taxes are. Because you have more ordinary income tax, it means your capital gains got pushed into a higher bracket for the capital gains inside yeah but i think the question there too is how much money does he have in retirement accounts that he wants to convert right we really yeah. don't know what that 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 well, is because a, if he's got millions and he's got a fixed income let's say a, a, a large pension um he's chilling in coronado right so so the bracket might be a lot higher in the future for him depending on what his other fixed income sources are and how much money that he has and what the rmbs are going to be and so on but yeah, I agree I, with you. I, Just with the information we have, 40% seems a little bit rich. Um, yep. But we have recommended converting in the 32% bracket. We've, we've recommended converting in the 37% bracket uh, just because of the amount of money that someone has and where we projected their, 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 their taxes going to be in the future. Yeah, and, and that's typically based upon someone that uh, it feels tax rates are going up, which we tend to believe as well. 
Let's go to Susan. She writes in, hey, Joe, Alan, Andy, I'm writing from the suburbs or maybe exurbs outside of Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta. So Susan, she drives a 2005 Acura MDX. That's kind of sexy. And have an eight-year-old lab hound mix named Rex. She's got a a question on capital gains that are stacked on top of ordinary income. That's the exact term I used, stacked on top. So we had a previous episode. You mentioned capital gains are stacked on top and don't change the tax bracket. Okay, can you confirm that my understanding is correct? Uh, For the first time in several years, I sold some stock in my non-qualified account. This stock was from a former employer, so I could buy a discount from my 401k match, uh, was also in company stock. I want to reduce my exposure to the single holding. This sale was um, a gain, but should have zero tax consequences because she's in the 12% head of household tax bracket. I use my annual expected self-employment income, my expected dividends in this gain amount to estimate adjusted gross income, then converted funds to my Roth based on the amount available within my tax bracket using the calculated AGI. Does the stacked on top that Al mentioned mean that I can convert additional funds from my Roth equal to the gain amount while still staying in that 12% bracket? All right. So let's let's kind of break this down a little bit. So when you're in the 12% bracket, and and um, so Susan, I don't know if you're married or single, but um, let's just head say- Head of household. Head of household. Head of household. Okay. Oh, boy. Now, now I got to look up what the- <laughs> what that table is but the the top of the the top of the 12 percent bracket for head of household is fifty four thousand. okay fifty four thousand of income all right let's say taxable income so that you know joe already you already kind of went through this your income minus twelve thousand dollars standard deduction roughly so let's say she does that calculation she's at forty thousand dollars right so what did i say fifty four mm-hmm yeah, 54. So there's 14,000 of room. Okay. So now you can sell uh, stocks with 14,000 of gain and pay no tax. If you sell, sell stocks with 15,000 of gain, the first 14,000 is tax free, but the extra thousand is taxed at a 15% tax rate. That, that's the way this works. So you can't sell everything. It's just to, to make sure that you stay below that, uh, that 54,000. Okay. That's, that's how the capital gains work. Now, when you do a Roth on top of that of 14,000, because you think you got 14,000 of room, so the Roth purchases your taxable income to 54,000 already. So now if you do a capital gain on top of that, you will pay 15% tax on the capital gain. So you don't get to do both. And here's what happens, uh, we've seen happen, is people try to do both. They try to do a Roth conversion to the top of the 12% bracket, and they try to do a capital gain to the top of the 12% bracket. You can't double do it. You only get one 12% bracket. And when you do that, it becomes a very expensive Roth conversion because if you think about it this way, your Roth conversion is taxed at 12% because you're in that bracket. Your capital gains, which would have been tax-free, got pushed up into the next bracket. Now they're taxed at 15. So now at single dollar of Roth, you're paying 20, uh, you're paying 27% tax. 
right? Yeah. Because of the 12% plus the 15. So, and I've seen that happen. And, and in the old days, you used to be able to recharacterize in the following year before you filed your tax return to fix it. Now you can't, you're not allowed to recharacterize. So just be very careful. I'm combining Roth conversions and capital gains when you're in the 12% bracket. Yeah, because the capital gain sits on top, right? It stacks on top. So if you did the conversion to the top of the 12, which is 54,000, so now you used up that 12% bracket and then you the, you, you sell that the capital gains is on top of the 54. So yeah, even they're... though it's not, you're, you're going to be taxed at 15% because it, it sits on top of the conversion. Yep. All right. Um, hopefully that clears things up, Susan. Appreciate your um, questions. Very good questions. Appreciate it. Uh, we got Tim writes in. Tim the stalker, Andy, is that who, who this is? Um, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Uh, I'm so I, glad Tim's the stalker instead of me now. <laughs> yes. He's out of control. This guy <laughs> follows me everywhere. He's in line at the grocery store. He's like, hey, I got, I got a Roth question for you. All right. <laughs> How right. are you? Get, get away. I'm Tim. <laughs> like, Tim, you crazy man. Um, Tim writes in. He goes, hi, I'm a longtime listener and have appreciated the excellent response to the question I've had. Um, you've had a lot, Tim. He's worse than Bruce. I mean, these guys are just milking us, Al. They are. It just never stops, right? When listening to your recent comments on 401k conversions to a Roth IRA, I thought of a tax question. I transferred a portion of my government TSP to Roth IRA at a brokerage house, just enough to keep me at the top of the 24% income tax bracket. The TSP, or Thrift Savings Plan, does not transfer its fund, but cashes them out and sends the cash amount to my brokerage house. Even though the TSP cash was going to a Roth IRA at the brokerage house, the transfer became regular income added to my tax uh, year, causing a significant tax burden. Since the fund and the TSP were long-term, held for many years, shouldn't that income be considered long-term capital gains and tax at the long-term capital gains rate versus ordinary income at the 24% tax bracket? Or because the TSP cashed out, the amount in sent cash, does that just become regular income, even though it went to my Roth IRA? I have since transferred the remaining amount of my TSP 401k to a new traditional IRA at the brokerage house and purchased ETF stocks and mutual funds within that traditional IRA. The brokerage house can convert the stocks, ETF, mutual funds to my Roth directly. If after a year, I convert the traditional IRA assets to a Roth IRA, Will that be considered long-term capital gain in tax at the lower long-term capital gains rate? Thank you. So Tim has asked multiple questions over the years. A long-time listener. Yes. Is he really comprehending anything that we're talking about? Well, he's he asked, and he asked several questions here, but they're all the same question. So uh, here's a, this is what scares me. He goes, I'm going to convert to the top of the 24% tax bracket. So he's already thinking, yeah, I'm going to be paying 24%. That's why I'm converting to the top of the 24%. Yeah, I, I agree. So we get we got to through the second or third sentence. I thought, okay, so far so good. And then it all went south after that. Right. Then he's like, well, wait a minute. Then they cashed out my TSP. So when, when you when you go from a 401k or a TSP or four, any type of employer-sponsored plan, as you do a rollover to get the money out, of course they have to cash it out. They're not going to transfer shares. If I have an IRA, let's say at Fidelity, and I have a Roth IRA at Fidelity, I can transfer shares in kind. But he converted to the top of the 24% tax bracket. Then he's like, wait a minute, shouldn't that be long-term capital gains? 
Well, no, that's a whole reason why you do the conversion is that you're getting rid of the, you have to pay the ordinary income tax for it to forever grow tax-free. The whole basis of a lot of our shows because of all these questions that come in is about Roth. And we want to get rid of the tax-deferred ordinary income tax treatment of those accounts by having tax diversification by putting money into the Roth. So if he already saying I'm going to go to the convert to the top of the 24, then he's shocked that he's he got hit with a huge tax bill. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't understand where else we go with that. Well, let, let me say it another way. So we we like to draw little circles of three different kinds of taxation, right? We like to call it the tax triangle. But the third, you know, one is tax deferred, one is taxable, one's tax free. Tax deferred, that's an IRA, that's a 401k, it's a 403b, it's a 457. Always, 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 when you take money out of any of those accounts, it's ordinary income. Ordinary income, never, never, never capital gain. Whether it gets cashed out or you trade, you do a conversion of shares in kind, it doesn't matter. It's all ordinary income. That is right, Joe. That's why we encourage people to get money out of those accounts so they can either have tax-free or capital gain in the future. The only way it would be capital gain rate is if it was net unrealized appreciation, right? You could take company stock out of the 401k plan and move it into a brokerage account, sell that stock and pay capital gains rate. But it was in a TSP, it's mutual funds. So he took the money out. It's going to be taxed at ordinary income rates. The top of the 24%, you're going to pay 24% on those dollars plus the state of California, I think is where you live. Um, So yeah, but then all those dollars will grow tax free. So uh, hopefully that helps, Tim. Uh, Appreciate the, the, uh, the email. Happy New Year, Andy Allen Joe. Um, it's Jim here from Santa Cruz calling. Is this the same Jim from Santa Cruz that calls all the time? Yes. And he never calls. He always emails. But you always say that people call, so he's just taken that to go. Call. He's running right. with I it. I've listened to your show for the last year or so. While running the vicious, heartless, cruel stairs at Apatos Beach. Aptos. I think that's Aptos. Uh, you never ran the stairs. When you run the stairs, you call it a patos. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. It's vicious. It's nice heartless. Save. Yes. Uh, this often backfires. By the time I'm done, I'm so exhausted that I've forgotten everything I've learned. But what the heck? Here's my question for today. All right. Excluding my long-term capital gains, my 2020 AGI will fall just below $80,000, the top of the married 12% tax bracket. Alan Joe frequently mentioned the 0% rate of capital gains in the first two income tax brackets in that capital gains right on top of their regular earnings. But I'm unclear on exactly what right on top means. It would be awesome if the $41,000 of capital gains I realized last fall are tax-free. But that seems too good to be true, or is it? Thanks for the great show you produce each week. It's too good to be true. So here's here's how this works, Jim. Is you said your AGI is just below eighty thousand. So let's say it's seventy eight thousand, just to make up a number. Okay. So of the forty, if you want to sell stocks or whatever and get, and generate forty one thousand of capital gains, only two thousand dollars is tax free to the eighty thousand. Everything else above that, or in this example. 39,000 would be taxed at 15%. So when we say to the top, that just means the portion of your capital gains that keep you in the 0% tax bracket, I'm sorry, the 12% bracket, get taxed at zero. That's how this works. By the way, we talked about in episode 303, 295, 292, 287, 272, and 266. Well, dude, the the guy's 
killing it, <laughs> running the stairs. But he's forgotten that because he's he, he just runs the stairs. Yeah, uh, he hears on top. <laughs> it's like I knew something good happened there. Yeah, that's right. I'm reading this. Is that, did, did we already? So Dr. James, is that the one you're looking at? Yep. So he's the one that actually gave you the back advice. He's yes. the real doctor. So you talked about his back advice, but then you never answered his question. Oh, sorry, Dr. James. Um, okay, so 50 years old, drives a nine-year-old compact Lexus hybrid. Hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hybrid car. What are those? It, <laughs> I'm not, I've not seen a hybrid, but I have seen a few hybrids. It's a, he wrote hybrid. I, I know. <laughs> I'm aware of that. <laughs> With a hundred thousand plus miles on it, still gets fifty miles per gallon. Jeez, it's pretty good. Yep. My 401k has an assortment of thirty different traditional funds: index, uh, large cap, value growth, domestic, international, global, target date, bonds, whatever. My 401k also has a brokerage link component uh, to a much larger selection of individual stocks, bonds, ETFs. Etc. Within the brokerage link, I recently sold some three and a half percent 10 year CDs on the secondary market for a nice 20% gain when I purchased in January 2019. Uh, the 401k fixed income agent who talked me through the fairly confusing online transaction told me on the phone, There you go, done. <laughs> and since you sold them in February 2021, they're um, less than two years old. They're greater than. Oh, greater than two years old. That's a nice cap gain. Is he correct? No. Uh, will these profits be treated like capital gains when I begin taking money out of the 401k when I retire? Nope. Or will everything be, uh, uh, everything that I take out be subject to ordinary income tax? Yes. Note, all contributions to my 401k have been pre-tax. Thanks. Great information educational and entertaining podcast. I read, I read the transcripts every week and I'll keep Joe's back in my prayers. Well, thanks Dr. Well, James. Nice. Just your back though. <laughs> well, look at the bunnies <laughs> on Andy. <laughs> the rest of you, not well, in his prayers. I yeah. suppose that is a correct interpretation or, I mean, that's how it reads. <laughs> no. I don't really care about you, but you're back. Now I care about that. No, I got <laughs> foot foot drop, drop foot. Serious. Don't care about your foot drop. It's awful. <laughs> um, All right. So anytime you have any kind of gain in a four hundred one k, it's non taxable at the point where you do the 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 sale, right? But when you pull the money out, it's always ordinary income. That's the problem with 401ks and IRAs. It's always ordinary income, even though it would otherwise qualify for a capital gain. So the Brokerage link broker is incorrect. Well, the brokerage link broker might not not understood that his it was a four hundred one k. Yeah, but he says the four hundred one k fixed income agent. Mm. It seems like he would know. You would know, right? He would think so. Yeah. <laughs> there you have it. He's not. I wouldn't take your tax return to him to prepare. Probably not. I yeah. would. Yeah, have him buy and sell you CDs, make a twenty percent gain on. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's it for this compilation episode on capital gains and ordinary income. If there is interest, we will do more compilation episodes in the future. Maybe Social Security or the Megatron Roth IRA. Let us know what you would like to hear. Click Ask Joe and Al 
email on air in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to send in your comments, questions, suggestions, etc. Because YMYW would not be a show if it wasn't for you. Thank you for listening and thank you for adding to the fun. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click that Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment video call. It doesn't matter where you are in the country. And chances are one of the certified financial planners at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.